Welcome. You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, February 9th, 2024 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's show, savor the quiet thrill of a happy secret from the New York Times. And your brain doesn't want you to exercise. Here's how to outsmart it from time. Plus, what's up with vertigo from Prevention Magazine? And more, time permitting. Here's our first report. Savor the quiet thrill of a happy secret. New research suggests that keeping good news to yourself can make you feel energized. By Katherine Pearson from the New York Times. If your partner gets down on one knee to propose, or you get a call with the job offer you've been coveting, your inclination might be to shout it from the rooftops. But new research suggests that keeping positive secrets to yourself can have an energizing effect. The study, published in the November issue of the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, Attitudes and Social Cognition, included five experiments with a total of 2,800 participants between the ages of 18 and 78. In one experiment, participants were given a list of 38 types of positive personal news, like being in a new romance, anticipating a coming trip, or being in a position to pay down some debt. On average, people reported they were experiencing about 15 things on that list, five to six of which they hadn't told anyone about. Participants were then randomly assigned to reflect on an experience they had talked about with others or one they were currently keeping secret. Those who reflected on secret good news reported they felt much more energized than those who reflected on good news they had already shared. It's not energy in the sense of, you know, I just drank coffee, said Michael Slepian, an associate professor of business at Columbia University, the author of The Secret Life of Secrets, and a lead researcher on the study. Instead, he described it as a kind of psychological energy, more like the feeling you get when you are deeply engaged in something. The research adds nuance to our understanding of the science of secrets, which so far has focused on the detrimental effects, said Andreas Weissmeier, a lecturer in psychology at Tilburg University in the Netherlands, who has also studied secrets but did not work on the new paper. If you keep information secret simply because you want to, he said, and your choice reflects your personal values and convictions, this study shows it may actually be beneficial. Motivations may play a role. Many people hold on to secrets because they fear the negative consequences of sharing them, Dr. Weissmeyer said, and Dr. Slepian said, and the harm seems to come from ruminating on them. Negative secrets, like a lie you were concealing or a time when you violated someone's trust, tend to deplete us, Dr. Slepian said. In an earlier study, he found that people who were preoccupied with an important secret judged hills to be steeper and believed physical tasks required more effort, as if the secret were weighing them down and zapping their energy. Negative secrets have also been linked to anxiety and relationship problems. Positive secrets, however, don't seem to have this effect. Rather, people seem enlivened by them. One factor could be that people often have different motivations for keeping good news to themselves. 
In another part of Dr. Slepian's most recent study, participants were asked to think about a secret they felt good about, a secret they felt bad about, or simply a current secret. They were then asked if they were intrinsically or extrinsically motivated to keep the secret. That is, if they were compelled by personal reasons or by external forces or consequences. Those with positive secrets were much more likely to report that they were keeping quiet for internal reasons, not because they felt any outside pressures. The study noted that autonomous motivation was known to contribute to feelings of vitality. You really feel in control over positive secrets, Dr. Slepian said, and that may be part of what makes them feel energized. Take the time to reflect and enjoy. Dr. Slepian said his new research shouldn't inspire people to withhold positive news indefinitely, though participants in the study said that keeping a positive secret made them feel energized, regardless of whether they intended to share it. He gave the example of a hobby or pastime that brings you happiness, but that you don't necessarily want to discuss with others. Dr. Slepian believed the findings dovetailed nicely with research on savoring, which has shown that appreciating everyday pleasures, such as what the air smells like when you step out the front door, can help bring joy and improve your mindset. Taking extra time to sit with a happy secret you plan to eventually reveal, like a desired pregnancy or an exciting life change, may have similar effects. Dr. Slepian offered the example of giving someone a present. Sure, you can pick something without much thought and immediately hand it over, or you can spend a bit of time mulling over what the best gift would be and envisioning the person's delight. You can wrap the gift to prolong the secrecy, even for just a few extra seconds, and add to the sense of ritual. Positive events tend to sort of blend together, Dr. Slepian said. One way to sort of break out of that and to leverage the positive experiences that we all have is just to spend a little more time with them, thinking about them, reflecting on them, and enjoying them. Keeping a positive secret, he said, is like turning the dial up to eleven on that process. Up next, your brain doesn't want you to exercise by Jamie Ducharme from Time.com. If the benefits of physical activity were distilled into a pill, everyone would be on it. Studies show that moving improves nearly every aspect of health, boosting sleep, strength, and mental well-being, while slashing the risk of chronic conditions and premature death. What's more, studies show that exercise has a positive impact, even when done in very short chunks and with no equipment or fancy gym membership required. Still, most people don't exercise nearly enough. According to data published in 2023, less than a third of U.S. adults get the government-recommended amount of physical activity in their free time—at least 20 minutes of moderate-intensity aerobic movement, think brisk walking—per day, plus a couple muscle-strengthening sessions such as resistance training each week. Why is it so tough to get people to do something so good for and accessible to them? Physical limitations and health problems are certainly a factor for many people, since more than half of U.S. adults have some kind of chronic condition. Modern life deserves much of the blame too, with long sedentary workdays and infrastructure that often makes it easier to hop in the car than walk or bike somewhere. 
and studies have long shown that people who don't make much money are less likely to exercise than wealthier people, in part because they may live in areas with relatively few spaces where it's safe and pleasant to be active. But research suggests there's another obstacle that affects all of us. Our brains don't want us to exercise. Wired to be sedentary. For most of human existence, people had to be physically active to carry out the basic functions of life, such as finding or growing food. Humans evolved to tolerate a high level of activity, but also to gravitate toward rest when possible to conserve energy for when movement was either necessary or pleasurable, explains Daniel Lieberman, a human evolutionary biologist and author of *Exercised: Why Something We Never Evolved to Do Is Healthy and Rewarding*. In other words, hunter-gatherers weren't out jogging to burn extra calories. From an evolutionary perspective, that would be a stupid thing to do, Lieberman says. You're wasting energy on something that's not going to give you any benefit whatsoever. As a society, we no longer move much in the course of daily life, but the evolutionary instinct to conserve energy remains, Lieberman says. That disinclination, that reluctance, that voice that says, "I don't want to exercise," is completely normal and natural, he says. Physical activity researcher Matteo Boisgontier, an associate professor at the University of Ottawa, demonstrated that phenomenon in a 2018 study. While hooked up to brain activity monitors, people were given control of a digital avatar. They were told to move the avatar away from images of sedentary behavior that popped up on their computer screens and toward images of physical activity. Boisgontier and his colleagues found that avoiding sedentary behavior took more brain power, which suggests we have an automatic tendency to choose relaxing over moving. He said, "That conclusion shows up repeatedly in research. Studies show, for example, that people consistently choose to take an escalator instead of the stairs." That natural instinct isn't inherently bad. It's just that modern life gives us so many chances to give in to our preference for rest that we have reached an extreme that is no longer beneficial to our health. Boisgontier says. Many people also subconsciously harbor negative feelings toward exercise that go back to childhood, says Jackie Hargraves, a senior lecturer on sport and exercise psychology at the UK's Leeds Beckett University. A gym class embarrassment or unpleasant experience with a youth sports team can make a person avoid working out well into adulthood, Hargreaves says. Sometimes it's also a confidence issue. Research suggests people who view themselves as competent exercisers are more likely to stick to a regular routine, while people who think the opposite may struggle to find consistent motivation. Says Stephanie Williams, a behavioral scientist who works with a UK organization that translates health research into practice. How to trick your brain into exercising? Feeling good about your ability is crucial to finding the motivation to exercise," says Sam Zizi, an exercise psychologist at West Virginia University. He recommends starting small, perhaps walking just a few minutes per day at first, and building on that progress over time. Observing a peer doing what you'd like to do, particularly if they share your age, gender, or health status, can also help you realize you can accomplish it too," Williams says. 
A counterintuitive way to build confidence, Lieberman adds, is to simply recognize the ways your brain sets you up to fail. When people struggle to exercise, they're told they're lazy or there's something wrong with them, when in reality, people who exercise purely for fitness are the ones working against their natural instincts, Lieberman says. Replacing guilt and shame with self-compassion and an understanding of how the human brain works can go a long way. So can reframing what counts as exercise. You don't need to spend an hour lifting weights at the gym. Even taking a few minutes per day to dance in your kitchen or weed the garden is great for your mind and body, numerous studies show. It's not about going out and doing vigorous competitive sport, Hargrave says. It's about moving and finding ways to move that are actually enjoyable. Finally, Zizi recommends making exercise serve a double purpose, perhaps by planning a bike ride with friends so your workout doubles as a social outing, or making an existing work meeting a walk and talk. Intertwining exercise with something you already want or need to do, Zissy says, can make it easier to ignore the part of your brain that's telling you it's better to park yourself on the couch. Up next, what's up with vertigo? Here's why you may get a dizzy, spinning feeling for no good reason at all, by Kayla Blanton from Prevention Magazine. If you've ever been drunk and felt as if the room was spinning, you have some understanding of what vertigo feels like, except the dizziness from vertigo isn't from drinking. It's usually about your inner ear. What is vertigo? Vertigo is the sensation of movement or of surrounding objects moving when they're not, explains Jarrett Bronstein, D.O., an internist with Medical Offices of Manhattan, who adds that nearly 40 percent of U.S. adults will experience it at least once in their lives. The sense of spinning may be accompanied by nausea, vomiting, hearing loss, and ringing in the ears, as well as blurry vision, balance impairments, ear fullness, and headaches, says Daniel Flaherty, DPT, a physical therapist with Inspira Health. Vertigo can usually be traced to a malfunction of the vestibular system, which includes the inner ear and parts of the brain and is connected to balance. This system helps the brain perceive acceleration and head movement, says Flaherty. But certain triggers can throw that delicate system off kilter. Common causes. Ear infections. Inflammation or infection in the inner ear can affect balance and cause vertigo. Benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. BPPV can occur when calcium carbonate crystals in the inner ear are displaced by certain head movements, says Dr. Bronstein. Vestibulopathy. This malfunction of the vestibular system causes your brain to think that your head is moving when it's actually not. Migraines. Vestibular migraines can cause dizzy spells or vertigo, along with lightheadedness and pain. How to stop the spinning. Solutions depend on what's causing it. Lying down or sitting in a dark room may help an occasional bout of vertigo go away. Antibiotics can be prescribed for ear infections. Antihistamines can help with dizziness. A common treatment for BPPV is the Epley Maneuver, a set of head movements designed to shift the inner ear crystals back into their proper place. For people with vestibulopathy, vestibular rehab exercises can help the brain recognize that it's receiving a faulty signal. 
If you have vertigo after a head injury or with serious symptoms, for example, chest pain, facial drooping, or vision loss, see a doctor ASAP. Up next, Simple Advice for a Healthier Body by Tara Parker Pope from the Washington Post. The first day of the year, the first day of the month, or really any time, is a great time to take stock of our health and consider whether there is more we can do to keep our bodies strong. Here's a roundup of some of the best tips. Skin care. Our Ask a Doctor columnist, Tricia Pasricha, has some simple, useful advice for healthy skin. In the morning, use a face cleanser, then apply a moisturizer and a broad-spectrum sunscreen. At night, cleanse your face again, then apply your retinoid and your moisturizer. The brand doesn't necessarily matter. Choose what works for your budget and skin type, such as sensitive, dry, or oily. Hearing loss. Untreated hearing loss is associated with a shorter lifespan and a higher risk for disorders such as depression and dementia. Recent research showed that U.S. adults with hearing loss who regularly wear hearing aids have a significantly lower risk of dying earlier than those who never wear them. Hearing aids are now sold over the counter. Vision. Did you know routine eye exams for glasses don't count as a complete eye exam? The American Academy of Ophthalmology recommends a complete eye exam once in your 20s and twice in your 30s. In your 40s, your doctor may start screening for glaucoma or diabetic retinopathy. By 55, you should get checked every one to three years. By age 65, start getting the exam every year or two. A complete eye exam typically involves dilating the pupil to get a closer look at the retina and optic nerve. Regular eye exams are even more important after 60, as many age-related conditions, such as diabetes or hypertension, can affect eye health. Vision disorders associated with aging include age-related macular degeneration, cataracts, diabetic retinopathy, dry eye, glaucoma, and retinal detachment. Cholesterol. You may know your bad and good cholesterol, but do you know your APOB? It stands for apolipoprotein B. Testing for ApoB, a protein on the outside of LDL-carrying particles, counts the number of these lipoprotein particles in the blood. In addition to LDL, it also captures other types of cholesterol, such as IDL, intermediate-density lipoproteins, and VLDL, very low-density lipoproteins, which carry triglycerides. Why is this important? As our understanding of heart disease improves, scientists are recognizing that APOB particles are more likely to become lodged in the arterial wall and cause it to thicken and eventually form atherosclerotic plaques. Thus, the total number of APOB particles matters more than the overall quantity of cholesterol that they carry. Blood pressure. Get your blood pressure checked every three to five years or more often if your doctor advises. Anything above 120 over 80 is considered abnormal. Those at higher risk, including all African Americans, should get tested every year. Gut health. The microbes in your gut can influence mental health, heart risk, weight gain, and even sleep, which is why you need to eat a wider variety of quality food. Your gut microbiome is a complex ecological community, and the food that you feed it, the new species you invite, and the waste products they create can affect your physical and mental health. 
muscles. Contrary to popular wisdom among many gym-goers and even some scientists, healthy people in their 60s, 70s, and beyond can safely start lifting weights and rapidly build substantial muscle mass, strength, and mobility. A new study of resistance exercise and older people found that even those in their 80s and 90s who hadn't weight trained before showed significant gains after starting a supervised program of lifting weights three times a week. Body fat. Have you exercised your body fat lately? Everyone has fat cells, but the more exercise you do, the more likely you are to have healthy and small fat cells. Being physically active alters fat at a molecular level in ways that improve the fat's health. Many of us may not realize that body fat can be metabolically healthy, or the reverse, no matter someone's weight or shape. You don't have to lose weight or fat to make the body fat you already have metabolically healthier. Just start moving more. Movement benefits fat as well as the rest of your body, offering one more reason to ride, walk, jog, swim, or, in whatever way you choose, be active today. Up next, noticing this when you brush your teeth could be a sign of dementia, by Amy Glover from HuffPost. In his new book, How to Prevent Dementia, Dr. Richard Raystack, neurologist, neuropsychiatrist, author, and professor, shared that some signs of dementia can show up first in everyday tasks, including brushing your teeth. Four impairments underlie the outer expressions and inner experiences of the Alzheimer's patient, the doctor shared in his book. He called these the four A's. One sign is amnesia, he says, simply forgetting things. Then there's aphasia, which involves not being able to understand, find, or use the right words. Neither amnesia nor aphasia in their milder forms is always abnormal, Raystack says. But the third and fourth of the four A's are always a sign something is amiss, he adds. One of these is agnosia, an impairment of correctly understanding information provided by the senses of seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, and tasting. For instance, someone might not be able to recognize a beloved family member by sight. The final one, apraxia, refers to an inability to perform purposeful and highly practiced actions despite normal muscle strength and tone. Brushing your teeth is a good example of where apraxia may show up. It's not necessarily about forgetting how to do the task, nor is it about not being strong enough to follow the steps, Raystack says. Instead, the issue lies in trying all the actions and thoughts together correctly and in the right order. A person with apraxia may be able to recognize and even name a toothbrush and toothpaste, but may be unable to carry out the act, praxis, of squeezing the toothpaste onto the toothbrush. Or they could struggle to put the brush in their mouth and scrub their teeth. All the muscle components are present, but can't be coordinated, Raystack shared. Tooth decay has been linked to increased dementia risk, though Dr. Raystack doesn't suggest apraxia is the cause of this in his book. Many, if not all, expressions of Alzheimer's can be explained by reference to the four A's, Raystack stated. What if I suspect dementia? If you think you or someone you love could have the condition, the NHS advises you to see a general practitioner as soon as possible. If you're supporting a loved one, you may like to suggest you go with your friend or relative to see a GP so you can support them. 
You'll also be able to help them recall what has been discussed, they say. A diagnosis of dementia can also help people with these symptoms and their family and friends make plans so they're prepared for the future, they add. Up next, cardiac rehab for a longer life from Consumer Reports on Health. In a recent University of Michigan study of more than 6,400 people who had coronary artery bypass, those who went to cardiac rehab afterward were significantly less likely to die over the next two years than those who skipped the programs. Rehab includes supervised exercise, nutritional counseling, and help managing blood pressure and cholesterol. And the source is the Annals of Thoracic Surgery. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777.